0: Welcome to The Waves, Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and all the queens. Every episode, you get a new pair of women to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. Today, you've got me,
1: Rebecca Onion, a senior editor at Slate. And me, Imogen Westknights, a contributing writer at Slate.
0: Today, inspired by the recent death of Queen Elizabeth in Imogen's England, and the ongoing mess that is the Queen's based show, House of the Dragon, which you may or may not believe is a mess, but I believe is, we are talking about Queens and popular culture, why we love reading and watching stories about them, why those stories are so surprisingly durable, and why in the world, Americans in particular, who created a country at one point that did not have Queens in it, (laughs) would like consuming them so much. So as a reader and watcher of historical fiction and historical romance, I cannot get away from Queens. They plague me. I wish I could. (laughs) I wish there were more stories about women who did other stuff besides be born into or marry into uh, royalty and aristocracy. But for some reasons I'll hopefully pick through with Imogen on this show, I find it very easy to buy into a queen show or a queen book or a queen movie thinking of shows like Victoria or The Tudors or Rain, which is like so cheesy, or The Serpent Queen, which I just started watching. I love them. Imogen, why do you want to talk about this?
1: Well, I feel like I want to talk about it because, to be honest, living in England recently, it's been impossible not to think about queens because, I mean, I'm laughing. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. But That's yeah. Right. given given the recent death of Queen Elizabeth and that kind of intense period of news around that event I had queen on the brain and so started noticing that there are queens everywhere in popular culture particularly on the TV and so yeah I got to wondering what is what is the draw there why why do queens hold the public imagination so strongly how do our fictional representations of queens like whether they're based on real people or otherwise relate to what the life of a monarch is actually like and indeed do we actually care what the life of a monarch is actually like
0: So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the appeal of queens. So we're back. What is the reason people like to consume the queens? Do you think it's really about loving monarchy? Like wanting to think about someone being in charge of everybody else? Is it just sort of like a narrative trick of the human mind? Do you like to focus on one person and you get overwhelmed with like too many different options of who to consider? I was thinking a lot about how my five-year-old daughter likes princesses a lot, like as much much as the next kindergartner. But if you ask her what a princess is, she doesn't really know. She just knows that they're special and that people think about them a lot, which is like the ultimate goal (laughs) for her, (laughs) Um, which to me feels like a really human thing a, a little bit, you know, just to be like. Uh, like, I want to be the one that everyone thinks about. You live in England, as as we mentioned, and you wrote firstly about what it was like there after Elizabeth's death. So uh, what do you think about the, the affection for queens?
1: Like every journalist, I think, in the UK, I ended up doing loads of writing about the queen. So I spent that kind of whole weekend just after she died down at Buckingham Palace one way or another kind of talking to people, getting box pops, like assessing the vibe, and something that really surprised me was the number of young women by whom I mean people under 25, I guess, to who considered the fact that we had a queen to be a sort of win for feminism and that the queen represented like a girl power, girl boss type figure, which yeah, I think is, is pretty misguided. Like the whole notion of a queen I don't think that can ever really be feminist in the sense of trying to equalize where power lies in society because that's just not what the monarchy is about.
0: Right, it's the opposite. Right, yeah. right.
1: Um, but what? yeah, what do you think about that? Like, uh, do young people have a sense of that or not in the US? Maybe it's more a UK thing.
0: You mean like having an affection for Elizabeth and like the other, the Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton type right, figures? Right, yeah. You know, I think they do. I think, and but I also am interested in Not just uh, the actual English queens, but also like people's sort of desire to like figuratively crown a queen to pick like which female rapper is the best or like which, you know, like Stan culture is like uh, pretty much made Beyonce, for example, into like the number one singer in the world. The arguments about it are about... uh, you know, it's just kind of fun to have those arguments a little bit, like, you know, who is better, Beyonce or Nicki Minaj or whatever. But like, it's like, but it also is sort of like predicated on this idea that there are, there is like a tremendous like power and charisma that's like located in one individual and that other people might enjoy
1: debating it. I do think that's a superhuman instinct that we want to have a sense of who's the best, And therefore, necessarily, who's the worst in any field, whether that's music or film? or like, who's the most beautiful or who's the most popular kid in high school? I think there's a kind of need to crown metaphorically in a lot of different areas of life. And therefore, when we're presented with literally a queen, that's something that has a kind of automatic appeal, even if, you know, politically, blah, 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 you don't agree. Because, I don't know, we seem to need to, want to... Notice who is better than other people.
0: I also think that um, to be like a little bit more maybe sympathetic to the queens in fiction thing, like I think a lot about how the fertility narrative comes into queen stories quite a bit. We can get back to House of the Dragon in relationship to this because it's so, you know, the House of the Dragon is like a queen versus queen story and like fertility is at the center of their fight, basically. You. We'll lie in this bed soon enough for an error. This discomfort is how we serve the realm. I'd rather serve as a knight
1: and ride to battling glory.
0: <laughs> we have royal wounds, you and I. The childbed is our battlefield. We must learn to face it with a stiff lip. And it started out with, you know, the death of a woman in childbirth. And there's this idea of like a... queen has sort of like proves herself when she gives birth to male heirs. Maybe this is like too sympathetic to the narrative. But I sometimes have a theory that I feel like people like it because women in hetero relationships, it's not like right on the surface anymore that like your fertility or your lack of it is gonna like make or break your life.
1: But it's still a little bit there. So I've been watching House of the Dragon with my housemates, both female are men, and I have reacted a lot more like, "Oh God, like looking through my fingers to all the birth stuff than they have, which is maybe like you know to be expected and but I was thinking about why why there is a kind of like appeal to that kind of very raw, gross up in close personal, upsetting childbirth stuff, and I wonder if it functions a little bit for or I feel it does for me when I'm watching it that I'm I'm horrified and yet I can't look away because it's 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 tapping into a fear that's kind of primal in me where I'm like oh god you know I've never given birth and that's you know I'm looking and being like well this this could it could go this badly wrong even though it's unlikely to it's kind of like a it's not not a wish fulfillment at all it's kind of the opposite like you see the worst thing happening and that's kind of catharsis in a way
0: totally i mean i think um like in a lot of queen stories, it seems like not just House of the Dragon, but, uh, you know, in, uh, in shows like Victoria, for example, the reproduction becomes the most human aspect of the queen or something. Like it's like the queen has a lot of power, but there's also a dichotomy where her body will like rule her to some degree. And that that's sort of like a, d- a dynamic that uh, I don't know, like if you are a woman who is like able to reproduce, then sometimes you feel like reproduction takes over your life a little bit or like, you know, not to be too like, Oh, current events. But uh, if you're a woman in the U S who lives in a state where you can't access an abortion, then even if you're not in like a marriage where your husband is demanded, you give him a son, (laughs) which is like archaic. Uh, There's a way that um, your ability to get pregnant, no matter how much like personal power you might have otherwise is kind of like dominating you.
1: It, it, I think is something that levels the playing field a little bit in terms of can we relate to this character maybe slightly more if we see them going through this very biological thing that actually has nothing to do with societal power structures. It's just, that's, life sucks, you know?
0: We're going to take a break here. If you want to hear more from Imogen and myself on another topic, but a related topic, how's that for foreshadowing, check out our Waves Plus segment, Is This Feminist? Today we're talking about whether Hillary Clinton, as an idea, is still feminist. Let's talk about whether it's possible to make queen culture that's subversive or like more interesting or even memorable. (laughs) Some kind of queen culture that's different where the queen is kind of like remarkable or things go differently than than they usually do. What are the limits of this kind of story um, is another way of putting that question. So who are your favorite fictional queens and why do you like them?
1: So I was thinking about this and thinking about stuff I've been watching over the last few years that are about queens. And I was thinking of that Yorgos Lanthimos film, The Favorite, with Olivia Coleman as the queen who's made a bit of a cottage industry of playing queens because she was also the queen on the crown. And I was thinking about whether that counts as kind of a subversive portrayal of a queen because it does sort of undercut that whole thing of the beauty of a queen and the sort of regal elegance of the queen because in that film, she's this quite slightly grotesque kind of figure. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me! Look at me! Close your eyes! And then there's also the sort of sexuality element that you have in that movie where instead of the queen being subject to the desires of a king or some kind of male person that she's supposed to be getting married to or courting or whatever, it's about the power struggle between her and her sort of courtiers and and that the sexuality in that in the film comes is between the women rather than between the queen and a like suitable air what about you
0: i feel like i've i've talked about that show victoria quite a bit this is the pbs show uh masterpiece theater show and uh i liked that show i I, this is obviously why i watched it i believe i've actually recommended it on a past episode of this podcast um because it has like an actually like hot romance in it um which is like sort of uncomplicated by uh uncomplicated by the usual sort of things that occur on in queen fiction, like, Oh, I can't marry him. Cause it's not politically appropriate or like, Oh, I have to marry someone who's like not who I want. So I'm going to uh, like uh, go around on the side and like uh, find someone to have sex with. Who's like in my queen, my queen's guard, for example, <laughs> um, which is what Rhaenyra did on house of the dragon in Victoria. People probably know that uh, her, consort Prince Albert is like a um, kind of like an interesting guy who's like forward thinking and like kind of wants to like make his own mark on the world. Um, and that show just cast two like handsome people in it. <laughs> um, it's explained. It's like a gives like you an explanation for why there would be like so many children. They have like thousands of children. So I don't know if that's subversive, but it was different to me. I like Queen Charlotte on Bridgerton, who is getting her own prequel series. We just watched the, um, the, like, teaser from Netflix for the prequel series. You know, if I grab there, yes, perhaps you could assist me by lifting me up there? Uh, one question. You do not like beasts or trolls? What he looks like matters? I do not
1: care what he looks like. What I do not like is not knowing. Now, here, just take hold here. With a lift, I, I believe I can make it over the garden wall.
0: You want me to lift you over the wall so you may escape? That is what I said, yes. People will notice you are missing, will they not? I shall worry about that later. Now, if you please... I just need a little help. Come, make haste. I have absolutely no intention of helping you. I'm a lady in distress. You refuse to help a lady in distress? I refuse when that lady in distress is trying to go over a wall so that she does not have to marry me. See, this is the thing. It's all, like, aristocratic people who are, like, slightly different flavors of aristocracy, like, debating over their, like, minute differences, you know, from a socialist point of view it's like absolutely ridiculous but i like the portrayal of queen charlotte because she's like a ridiculous figure like she's kind of like uh, i don't know like she's like petty and whimsical like one day she'll say one thing and the other she'll say another she kind of plays with people's lives a little bit like just because she's super bored but then you find out along the way that part of the thing is that her husband has has dementia and and so she's like kind of in mourning a little bit also um and is like a little bit distracting herself but she's distracting herself by having like thousands of uh, small dogs and like i believe doing doing cocaine like i don't know i think i remember there one, being one scene where she does that i can't wait to find out her backstory and that and that kind of portrayal of a queen like really does a lot to sort of like highlight the excess like the, the um, excessive aspects of it and in a funny way um like that show does not shy away from excess like it's pretty hilarious that that show is basically like tries to present the bridgerton family as being like down to earth because
1: because why? I know, right they live in like the biggest house you've ever seen <laughs> yeah
0: i guess because they're friends with each other so that makes them like more less aristocratic or something i don't know but um but queen charlotte of all of them kind of gets it's like very obvious that it's ridiculous that this woman has like so much money so I guess my question is, can you uh can you imagine that there could be kind of like queen a piece of queen culture whether that be a book or a movie or a TV that would be actually like subversive or interesting or different? Like if that existed, what would it look like to you?
1: So yeah, when I was when I was thinking about this earlier for this episode, thinking about can you have a queen that's actually subversive in fiction or TV or whatever? And I was sort of trying to think through whether... Because the whole thing about monarchy is that it's, it's a sort of rigid... It's the status quo. So how, how can you have a queen who simultaneously upholds the status quo and yet also manages to subvert it? And I was thinking about, I think, ab- like abdications, intentional ones by queens, and whether there have been many of those explored on TV. And I actually couldn't really think of any. And I'd be interested in finding out, like, what how you could make a piece of art out of that sort of a decision where a woman actually does subvert the structure that she's born been born into in a meaningful way. But then maybe you know, I was thinking about maybe that's a dead end. Maybe it's like the nice the woman in the nice dress leaves the big house and then it's like, well now what? Um, but maybe it could be done. I don't know. What do you think? What's your ideal queen like? What do you want to see?
0: Yeah, we were talking before the show about um,
1: the queen of uh, Denmark,
0: who has apparently stripped some of her um, grandchildren of titles. Um, and it's kind of unclear why, but this is the, I believe it's the children of her second child. So they're, they used to be princes and princesses. And now now they're just counts and countesses and like, oh, oh poor children. <laughs> And they're really sad about it, apparently. Um, And I guess, you know, she's the stated reason is, you know, she wants them to have more of a normal life, which again, I'm like, as a count? I don't know. But the, you know, they're they're trying to slim down the, like, number of people that are, like, officially part of the monarchy. Um, I bet there's, like, a money thing behind it. Like, I bet there's, like, something they used to get that they won't get anymore, or whatever. Um, I feel like that's, like, sort of as far as it goes. Like, we were looking up the uh, any queens who voluntarily abdicated, and it doesn't look like there's any that pulled a uh, Edward and like left the throne for a divorcee.
1: <laughs> was that Edward the No th- Edward the <laughs> Sixth? Oh my God, I'm so bad on the kings. Oh my queens. gosh, aren't you supposed to be one drilled? of the Edwards? Yeah, one of the Edwards. <laughs> I definitely was, and I've just completely forgotten all of them. But
0: yeah, I, we didn't see any. But that might also just be because um, there's fewer queen. You know, when it comes to like full-on queens who were the head of state or the head of the monarchy it seems like there's there's fewer of them yeah maybe it's just a numbers game but it is kind of kind of strikes you to think like maybe like when when women get to the point of wanting to be queens like they what they want is more of the power
1: yeah that's a very good point yeah why give it up when there's not much of it going around
0: right like a Rhaenyra on House of the Dragon when uh, her lover approaches her and wants her to vanish into the east with him
1: (laughs) and she's like absolutely not i will not be doing that which in a way i don't know i was like i was i was young and stupid once i would have been away with that man in a heartbeat but she's probably right in her strange way
0: yeah well i don't know i well whatever i'm not i think i'm not on her side but i don't even know whose side i'm on there's no one there's no side to be on in that show
1: no there's not there's not much to root for is there
0: Before we head out, we want to give some recommendations. Uh, eva what are you loving right now?
1: What am I loving right now? I mean, full disclosure, the main thing I'm loving right now is that I just got a kitten. So that is like the primary focus of my life. Like to the exclusion of all my work, all my social life. <laughs> I'm just like, why would I leave the house? This is like a little animal here. Um, but...
0: do you have a, is, Does it have a name yet? Yes.
1: Yeah, so the cat is called Sushi 2 because my housemate had a beloved cat called sushi when he was young but I do need some things to be watching and reading etc while I'm just lying on the couch with the cat on my lap and one of those things is that I'm like halfway through the Jeffrey Dahmer show um, which I'm excited to finish mostly because I just find the whole ethics of the existence of that show so queasy and interesting have you watched it?
0: i haven't despite the fact that apparently it's extremely popular and when things are extremely popular we try to watch them so that we can figure out if we can write something about them but i um i just i'm scared to to be honest
1: Uh. it's not pleasant viewing like at all and uh, but it's yeah, I've, I'm excited to finish it because I do just want to dive into all the things that people have been saying about it because I think the kind of balance between victim-centered storytelling as they claim to be doing and then keeping the true crime people in with a certain amount of gore is is, is a really weird... It's quite a weird show that they've made. And I think ethically it's quite dodgy. Um, what about you? Oh, my gosh. I had such a good time
0: last week. I went to... Um I live in a small college town and there's a little main street cinema that the university in the town has basically like rescued and continues to maintain. Otherwise it probably would have died. Um, And they do a lot of special events and they did a abortion fundraiser um, for, with uh, the movie dirty dancing. And um, it was so fun. I went And, um, you know, I live in Ohio, so our abortion laws are um, predictably terrible right now. So this is, you know, it was raising money for, uh, you know, uh, abortion fund, basically. Um, And, uh, of course, that movie has a little abortion subplot. But I used to watch that movie so much when I was younger. And um, the movie, the theater was, like, just packed with women. (laughs) Like, it was just, like, a million women (laughs) and maybe like a couple guys that I could see. Um, and I went alone. But by the end of it, I was like, uh, sighing and yelling in concert with like all the women around me. Because oh, wow. <laughs> I, I don't know when have you seen it recently? Or uh,
1: have you... I actually saw it for the first time like a year ago, I'd never seen it. I had no idea it was even about abortion. All I'd seen is the kind of like, gifts of the big dance moment at the end I had no oh, idea yeah. what yeah great movie it's so great good movie. it
0: really holds up as the ladies and I said to each other at the end <laughs> as the <when> tears <laughs> were streaming down our face but it was like oh it just was like uh was very moving to see uh Patrick Swayze like and uh and Jennifer Grey you know Patrick Swayze's dead and Jennifer Grey is like 62 I looked it up and they're like in the prime of their lives like absolutely gorgeous like beautiful so the dancing is so fun um to watch and it just like made me want to dance and it made me feel both like old and young at the same time and it was so fun and joyful wow to, like, I feel bad other you
1: you said something so beautiful and joyful and I said this the, I, the right. serial killer you, you show on Netflix <laughs> Wow,
0: well, but you also had sushi too I that do counts. have sushi too yeah <laughs> So I highly recommend, yes, I think anyone who out there who's trying to raise money for abortion funds should think about that because it was it was very cathartic and wonderful.
1: Well, that's our show this week. And The Waves is produced by Shana Roth. Shannon Paulus is our editorial director, Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio, and Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer of audio for Slate. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thewaves@slate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different hosts, different topic, same time and place.
0: Thank you so much for being a Slate Plus member. And since you're a member, you get this weekly segment, is this feminist? Every week we debate whether something is feminist. This week we are talking about, ah, what a giant topic, Hillary Clinton. But specifically, we are talking about the fact that Hillary Clinton and her daughter Chelsea have a show out on Apple TV Plus um, that's called Gutsy.
1: Okay, here we go.
0: We're hitting the road to shine a light on women who inspire us to be bolder and braver. Leadership doesn't look one way. It's a giant rainbow. You're not gonna break me down. You'll get worn out before I do. Women who push us outside our comfort zone. You got this. And make us laugh. I'm in deep Georgia, and they might have never met a Muslim. Or they don't know they have. Or they don't know they have. Because we walk among you. (laughs) What is remarkable to me about this show, which I have not seen a minute of, is that um, people are um, panning it, not just like the Chapo Trap House type people who dedicated an entire episode to panning it, as they would, but sort of more mainstream, down the middle, centrist entertainment publications like Variety. And so I find it very interesting that um, since 2016, I feel like we've done A little bit of like a conventional wisdom about face on Hillary Clinton and what she stands for. Imogen, have you watched any of the show? No, I haven't
1: watched any of it at all. And I have to say I probably won't watch any of it. Yeah. Um, But I find the existence of it really interesting. And as you say, like the response from people that would have been very, very different, say, six years ago um but take me through it a little bit because obviously i'm i was watching the whole hillary clinton thing from the other side of the pond and consuming it mostly through social media where there was there seemed to be like a tribe of like clinton people who were quite an annoying
0: <laughs> <laughs> or we're going to get email.
1: But this is this is maybe just a tiny segment that I was that I was seeing. But yeah, is does does that exist?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So this was a big, I mean, you know, when it comes to like in the center and on the left in the US, the Hillary versus Bernie like to be was like a huge flashpoint for um, you know, people talking about the function of misogyny on the left. Like, you know, if you don't like Hillary, is it because you're like anti-feminist or is it because you don't agree with your policies and actually like her the 2016 election was a big turning point for me in that respect because I feel like I started out with it being like she's great what are you guys talking about and like eventually I read enough um, (laughs) sort of like critiques of you know, her positions that I thought I started thinking, Oh, maybe, maybe these people are right. (laughs) But the, the existence of this show, it feels like it was commissioned at a time. I don't know the history of it, the production history, but it feels like a time capsule. Like this is like something that was created at a time when um, people kind of saw this like representation feminism as like the way to go, like the most sort of inspirational thing we could possibly have on offer would be like, you know, having women in like leadership positions. And even if the organizations that they're leading are not great, like the CIA or <laughs> the fascist party in Italy. <laughs> More women yes. in the CIA. <laughs> and I feel like it got commissioned then. This is just my theory. And then now things have come around to a point where like, there've just been like enough jokes about that, <laughs> that people are sort of like uh, no longer willing to really like uh, take that as a, as a given.
1: Yeah, it sort of belongs, in my mind anyway, to this sort of now pretty outdated or at least easily mockable kind of girl boss lean in feminism where it's like, yeah, as long as there's like a woman on the board, then it doesn't matter if they're manufacturing weapons or, you know, whatever it is. It's, um, I believe there is,
0: tea. this is one of these uh, media products that I know a lot about because I've consumed a lot of content about it, not because I've actually consumed it. But I believe that there are, like, you know, interviews with uh, female correctional officers, like people, like, working in um, traditionally male kind of, like, law enforcement fields, um, kind of presented as, like, you know, see, we're, every, we're everywhere. And a part of me is kind of sad that um, this has become, like, so cringy in a way. Like, I feel like there's something that's a little bit lost when, like, I I... I think that this way of presenting, like, female solidarity is cringy and, like, kind of, uh, like, scoots to the side a lot of really problematic stuff. But um, without it, I'm not really sure what we're left with, which is kind of upsetting.
1: Yeah, it's maybe it's kind of like a useful stepping stone for people who were not already kind of thinking about feminism in an intersectional kind of way to be like, okay, let's, like, get behind a woman and think about... It's maybe like slightly entry level and maybe yeah. entry level is what was needed.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to describe it is entry level. But I guess the question is like, you know, if you're thinking about it as like a syllabus, can you start with with like being a fan of Hillary and like move on to something more? What I would want, which would be more like sort of like materially grounded,
1: like let's get women money <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of thing. I think maybe you can. I kind of th- I think sometimes I like compare it to You know how in school when you're learning science, not that I did much science at school, but from talking to people who do, it's like you learn some science when you're like 12. And then every year they're like, that science we told you before, that was like bullshit, basically. So (laughs) here's the real science. And they, they kind of like refresh you and refresh you and refresh you. And maybe that's a way of doing it with introducing people to concepts where it's like, okay, you like Hillary, maybe we could talk eventually in like five years about prison abolition, but like until then, we'll just baby steps. Yeah.
0: And there's something about the sort of like a cheerfulness of it. Like, oh God, just like even the, even the title of it, gutsy, like, (laughs) uh, like it's so like aggressively empowered. Um, And again, I can see how they chose it. Like, I know why, like this came about. Um, But there is something like very, Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like as a 19 year old, I would have been into that. Like it give you like a sense of personal power. Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah, I would too. Uh, Well, I think we might be a little bit beyond it. And then it was actually interesting, the fact that uh, this came out right around the time that uh, Hillary got kind of busted in the media for um, making a similar comment about the success of Giorgio Maloney in Italy saying, ah, oh, like we've got a woman leader in Italy. Isn't that great?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit of a car crash, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it just sort of seemed like an object lesson in why this is insufficient.
1: Yes, so what are we saying? We're saying the, the notion of Hillary Clinton is no longer feminist? Is, is that where we're going to have to land? I,
0: <laughs> I think there are still probably plenty of people who would say that it is, but I just think it's interesting that it seems like the creep is over like a the camp of people who sort of see through it is like getting a little larger, or it seems.
1: Yes, I think it does seem to be. Is there something you're dying to know if it's feminist or not? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thewavesatslate.com.